0: I'm glad to see you all today. Um, maybe you, uh, you know, it's there's there's always a long gap between times that I speak to you, and so I know you don't remember what I said last time. But last time I started in First Corinthians chapter one, and so I'm moving on to First Corinthians chapter two. And um, in First Corinthians one, Paul was talking about divisions in the church it seems like there's always divisions in the church you know we have We have denominations that don't even speak to each other because we have so many divisions. People want to major in the minors when it comes to those kinds of things. Um, you know people will even say, well People who are a part of that denomination or that group, they're not even saved. And uh, I don't want to jump to that conclusion. I don't want to be one making that kind of a decision. But Paul said that the divisions are caused by false wisdom, pride, and loyalty to people. Loyalty to people. Where should our loyalty lie? Our loyalty should lie with God, right? Right? Not people. Um, if you if you attend this church, um, your loyalty should be to God. It should be shouldn't be to Pastor Mike. It shouldn't be to me. Your loyalty should be with God. And if you hear either Pastor Mike or I say something that you have a question about, or maybe you question the biblical basis of what we say, you should come and talk to us. There was a group in the Bible called the Bereans. What did the Bereans do? It says they searched the Scriptures day and night to see if the things that they said were true. And that should be you as well. When you leave this place, um You know, we we post this message on Facebook, we post it on YouTube, we post it on the CSN website, lots of places you can watch it. Go watch it and see if what I said is right. Is it right or not? And if it's not, you need to challenge me about that. We need to be Bereans. We need to be searching the scripture to see if what we're being taught is true. You know, there's always been various elements and views, things of the world. Um, For the first century Jews, dying on a cross meant that somebody was under God's curse. And so when Paul is talking to them about Jesus being crucified, they're coming at that with that type of thought. Because only people who were the worst of the worst people, were crucified. And so their first thought about Jesus is, he, he must be a horrible person. He must have deserved it. And Paul is, Paul is telling them something different. Paul is proclaiming that the cross was not a curse. He's proclaiming that the cross was God's provision. Can you imagine how outrageous that was? Think about that. You know, you're thinking that somebody who dies like that has God's curse on them, and Paul is coming along saying, no, Jesus is God's provision. God provided him. He is atoning for your sins. Paul is teaching them that God was present in Christ, reconciling the world with him god is present in christ that's what he was teaching them and what paul was saying was that jesus christ not only meets the need for today but he meets the need for ages past jesus sacrifice goes goes back in history it covers covers the old testament people covers Back It covers forward. It covers us today. Jesus is still god 's provision. Jesus still reconciles us, the world, with God. I see a lot of groups in, in churches, and you know ours is no different. We have little 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 groups. Um, I think probably ours is better than most. Not, you know, saying that without pride, right? You know, but um, but you know, little groups they they have a hard time communicating with each other. It's sort of like you're back in high school in some ways. Remember that? Remember back that far? You know, I don't want to remember high school. High school was not great for me. You know, I wasn't in any group. I wasn't in any clique. I was kind of out in the cold as far as, communi- as far as communication goes. You know, I wasn't included in in anything. But what Paul is saying is that that's not a good thing. Because God wants us to be unified. God has provided a lot of provision. God has put a huge investment in our unity. What does the Bible say? You will know my people by the love they have one for another. By the love they have one for another. How can you have love for somebody if all you can see is what divides you? All you can see is your differences. Where's the love? And, you know, uh, people drive around with bumper stickers on. I, I see them I see them in town, you know they're uh they're about Jesus they're about God, they're about being saved they are all these things and I'm thinking what I'm thinking is is do you really need a bumper sticker to show people you're a Christian I mean that's nothing wrong with bumper stickers all right because I know when you're driving down the road that we're not conversing so we're not having a lot of communication right there that's fine i'm not I'm not I'm not downing bumper stickers. I'm just saying that when you go out and you go into a place where you're going to do business, when you go into a store or when we do something together, can they tell that we're a Christian because we love each other? Because that's what the Bible says. That's how we tell if they're a Christian. By the love we have one for another. And you know what? If we love other people, if we love them, we're going to help them out however we can, aren't we? We're going to be a brother to them. We're going to be a brother because we love them. We're going to be a sister because we love them. And it's just going to come forth naturally. It's not going to be put on. It's not going to be like, oh, I got a, I got a list. I got to, you know, let's see. this This person, I need to help out this person this way. I need to say something kind to that person. Need to give that person a hug, I need to No, it just comes naturally, doesn't it, when we love people. It comes naturally. It's not put on, it's not fake. You know, most most of us can tell when somebody is fake, and we don't we don't like that. That's not appealing, that's not attractive at all. The idea of wholeness is built on God's revelation in Christ. The idea of wholeness is built on God's revelation in Christ. Jesus Jesus brought people together, didn't he? he? Jesus taught a central gospel. Paul taught a central gospel. Paul talked about the simplicity of the gospel. But everything that God does is built on Unity between brothers and sisters. Unity between us. In the second chapter of First Corinthians, Paul chided the church. He was talking about the church, the divisions in the church. And so then after that, he turns towards the things that bring people together. What brings people together? The unity of that congregation. He started with the gospel that he preached in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. And then he finishes with the wisdom, God's wisdom, in verses 6 through 16. Chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I come to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring you, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom contained therein. We pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us how we can apply it to our lives how that we can truly live out love for one another. And we ask you, Lord, just to reveal your word to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Paul uses himself as an illustration of how God is able to use the weak to confound the strong. Something I always appreciated about Paul. Paul never holds himself up to be like a uh, super-Christian christian he never holds himself up to be better than anyone else. Paul is who he was. Paul admitted his weaknesses. Paul admitted his uh, inabilities. He, he was never shy about that. And you know, I think that's an important thing. I think it's important that, um, that as Christians that, that we don't have to hide our weaknesses. What do we do with our weaknesses? First of all, you don't have to really do anything with them, right? You don't have to confess your weaknesses to anybody. Confess them to God. Ask for forgiveness for whatever it is that you are concerned that you need forgiveness for. You don't need to come to your pastor and ask forgiveness or absolution. But a lot of times when we meet in small groups somewhere, what we do is we can discuss concerns weaknesses failures you know there's for me for me it's like it's it's like every day it's like how far can i put my foot in my mouth today you know and when i walk away from some situation or maybe a phone call i'm thinking why did you say that or why did you say it like that because i had no intention to That's just how it came out. But it's not something that, you know, as we become mature Christians, that doesn't go away. We deal with that every day of our life. There's always work to be done. But when we share those things in in groups or maybe with, uh, you know, maybe with a brother, we share those things, we can pray for each other, can't we? That's a wonderful thing. It's great knowing that someone's praying for you, isn't it? And you can share something that is a personal situation. You can share it with them. And then what's happening right there? What's happening there? We have love one for another, don't we? We're loving our brother. We're supporting our brother. We're standing with them. And we're showing how Christ is working in our life through that situation. And we're not, we're not trying to hide that we have shortcomings. We're not trying to hide the fact that, that wow, you know, I have imperfections. Let's just admit we have pre- imperfections, you know. I think we're pretty good. We're pretty good, good in, this, in this group here. We, we're, we're not pretentious. You know, I was joking during the announcements about wearing a shirt with a collar because I normally don't wear a shirt with a collar. My belief is that if God wanted me to wear a shirt with a collar, he would have given me a neck. So usually a t-shirt is what I like. You know, it's more comfortable. But I decided to dress up today because I'm in front of you all and put a shirt on with a collar. So that's, you know, that's where I come from there. Paul included himself in these statements that he made. Paul lived out the spirit of humility. Paul was not asking his listeners to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. I really like that. If there's a pet peeve of mine, it's when somebody in a leadership position is directing people, telling people, you go do this, you go do that, but they're not willing to do it themselves. You know, I believe we should lead by example. And Paul did that. Paul did that. Paul admitted his shortcomings. He asked for prayer. He asked for help. He let his needs be known. He admitted, you know, he was talking at one point about a thorn that he had asked God many times to remove and God wouldn't do it. He you know, I've dealt with that myself, where I feel like, why isn't God answering my prayers? Well, Paul didn't, or God didn't answer Paul's prayer either. And Paul was a w- way better Christian than I am. So why would I think that all of my prayers should be answered just in the way that, that I think they should? A lot of times now, I think we go down, you know, you go down the road five years and you can look back and you can say, wow, that's pretty clear now. But at the time it wasn't. So sometimes we get perspective of time and then we can see what God was doing. It's very clear. And sometimes we're thankful, aren't we? We're thankful God didn't change that. We're thankful He didn't give us what we asked for. Because we had, now we have perspective. Now, I don't know if Paul was ever thankful for, you know, the thorn that he was talking about. I don't really know that. But um, it very well could have been. Because some people believe that what he was talking about was his poor eyesight. Paul had poor eyesight. And therefore, one of the reasons that we have the letters that we do was because of that. And so, you know, maybe there's blessings that come in that, that we don't know. You know, one of the most difficult things as a, I believe certainly as a pastor, but but as a Christian as well, is that our life needs to match our message. What are Christians always accused of? We're accused of being a hypocrite. Yep. And we are. That's true. I won't deny that. You know, I would not deny being accused of being a hypocrite. The reason that I can say that is because I, I have a very high standard for myself, and I never quite seem to meet it. I never quite get there. That's just what I was talking about, you know, how we put our foot in our mouth in, in situations. It's it's almost, like, it's almost like it's a complete setup. You know somebody's talking to you, and the words that come out of your mouth are just like, "Where did that even come from?" I, I have no idea but christians are hypocrites we are sometimes christians are cruel people sometimes christians say mean things sometimes christians do mean things sometimes a christians behavior is totally unacceptable and i'm not ever saying that that it should be acceptable I'm just saying that Christians are people like everybody else. A lot of times Christians do things that they don't intend to. They say things that was not their intention. I always am concerned about that, especially when when I'm speaking to you folks is because I don't want you to leave with the false impression. And I want to say what I mean. And that's one reason I invite you to come talk to me. If you think I said something strange, something unbiblical, you need to challenge us. You need to challenge Pastor Mike and myself. Because a lot of times we didn't intend to say that at all. It just kinda of came out that way. And so it's a you know, it's it's a mistake. But as Christians Do we strive to be better than hypocrites? Absolutely. Our standard is up here. Our standard is Christ, isn't it? That's a pretty high standard. Do I think I'll ever make it before I die? No, I don't. I don't think I'll ever make it. Do I aspire to make it? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. That's my aspiration. And I've said this before, but I believe that in that split second when we leave this world and we enter the heavenly realm, God transforms us into what we should be. God does it. We can't do it ourselves. We can't. There's things we can do to better our chances, right? We can spend a little time with God in the morning. We can pray for a little while. We can pray for each other for a little while. You know, you can pray even as you're driving down the road. Just don't close your eyes. But you can pray. You can have a conversation with God right there. And we can ask God, help me to represent you well today. Because that's what we want to do, isn't it? We want to represent God's, we want to represent God well through the day. We want people to look at us and say that person has to be a Christian to put up with what they just put up with and have a good spirit about it. That's what we want, right? We want to display godly patience. We, we, We don't want to be angry. We don't want to be rude. That's the natural response, isn't it? It's the natural response for me. You know, I'm the worst when I, when I walk into a line in some store somewhere, I'm the worst. I stand there grinding my teeth because I don't want to wait. I have somewhere to be and I want to get, I want to get out quickly. So that's not my nature to be like that. That's something God has to work in me. There's probably things for you too, you know, maybe different from me. But all of those things are things that, that, that God works into us. And most importantly, they're things that people see. That's how people who are not Christians see us. So Paul talked about, he talked about um, the gospel, the gospel that he spoke of only being about Christ. Only being about Christ and Him crucified. Paul cro- proclaimed in verse two, he said that he didn't know anything. He didn't know anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When Paul went into the city of Corinth, the Corinthians were a they were an educated people. They were intellectual. The Greeks were really intellectual people. The Greeks have influenced us even today as far as our method of logic and our, our thought process. They've influenced us today. So when Paul walked into that city, what they were looking for was they wanted, a, they wanted an entertaining speaker. They wanted somebody who was going to talk to them with big flowery speech, like Apollos, if you remember Apollos was known as the great orator. Apollos could capture the attention of an audience and hold it for as long as he was speaking. People loved Apollos. People became followers of Apollos. Not Paul. Paul was a simple speaker. Paul had a simple message. And if you can kind of create a picture in your mind, which you probably can... You know, Paul had been traveling for a long time. Paul had been beaten up. He'd been in shipwrecks. Um, I can imagine that by this point in his life that he had a hard time walking because he'd been so beaten up. You know, his diet was probably pretty random. Probably not great. I don't know what his hair looked like, but I'm pretty sure that it wasn't great. I'm pretty sure that, you know, he couldn't just go down to Walmart and pick up a a nice brush and, you know, wash his hair and brush it out and give it a little blow dry. He probably looked pretty scruffy. And so when this scruffy little man stands up there and he's proclaiming Christ and he's not using flowery speech, I believe he could have, I believe he probably could have put on a pretty good sermon. But he just had a simple message. He had a simple message to present to those people. And it was about Christ. It was about what the crucifixion meant for Christ. So there was never any reason that Paul had to question what he was doing. There are some people who think that maybe in a previous message, in a previous city, that that it had you know, he had tried he had tried a more verbose way of delivering the message and it it fell flat, and that's why when he came to Corinth he did what he did. But I don't think so. I think Paul had a very simple message, focused on Jesus, focused on the cross. He had a simple message And he was gonna present it simply. And you know, even even today, can we recognize when there's a speaker who is attracting people because of his own charisma or because of his own presentation, and they're like, Wow, that guy's a great speaker. I love listening to that guy. He's really entertaining. Tells a lot of stories, you know. I, I, I don't fall asleep during his messages. But what message is he preaching? Is he preaching the message of the cross? Is he preaching simplicity? You know, when I was sitting in the back just a few minutes ago, um, I told Travis, I said, you know, God always comes through, but right now I feel pretty inept. And that's how I feel. And, uh, you know, do I wish I was a better speaker? Absolutely. Do I wish I could entertain Thousands? Well, maybe not. Maybe I don't want to do that. But you know, but, but, you, but you do wish, but if I did that, it would, be, it would be myself, wouldn't it? It would be me that you are watching. And I'm not here to show you me. I'm here to show you Jesus. I'm here to point to Jesus. And we just need to understand what it is that Jesus accomplished on the cross. We don't have the disadvantage that they had back then where we, you know, we believe that everyone who is crucified was cursed. I believe everybody in this room understands that. That's, that's not a problem. But do we really understand what it means for us? Do we understand what it means for us? Because, you know, the fact is that any one of us could meet the Lord this afternoon we, we don't know. You know, there are some of us that are, okay, maybe I'm not as young as I used to be. But I feel pretty young. But I'm pretty healthy. You know, I, I believe I'm going to go home this afternoon and, and I'm going to do some things and I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to go to work and life is going to go on. I believe that, but it may not. It may not. It might come to an abrupt stop we don't know we need to understand what what the death of Jesus has done for us put ourselves in that in that position we need to put ourselves in the position where where we can receive the forgiveness that we need where we can receive what it is that god has for us the provisions that god has for us so i believe paul deliberately de- decided that he was going to make his message very simple you know, if you have a simple message, you have a simple message, it doesn't follow that you have a complex messenger, does it? It's a simple message. We just need to keep it simple. Paul wanted converts, he wanted people who were going to give their life to Christ and live as a Christian. He didn't want compliments, Paul didn't care about compliments. You know, if Paul had cared about compliments, he would have gone into the city and he would have bought new clothes. He would have, uh, you know, gone to a, a barber and had his hair fixed up and, um, you know, he would have presented himself well. I don't read that. I don't read that at all. Paul just showed up. You know, I, I'm imagining that people are probably pretty grateful that uh, the venue was outside, he probably didn't smell very well. There's there's a lot of the Lord's messengers who were in the same position. You know, John the Baptist was in the same position. If you met John the Baptist today, you would say he's a lunatic. You would call mental health for him. Because he was he was not ordinary. He was a very strange man. But he was God's messenger. You know, God usually he usually chooses people who are a little different for his messenger, doesn't he? I and mean, you can look at a lot of people who proclaim God's word and, and they bring the message and it's totally biblical, but they're a strange person. And if you get to know them, they're probably stranger than you even thought they were. You might say that about me too. I don't know. I don't know. My wife says that about me. Well, she knows me pretty well. So, I would imagine that I'd probably fall into that category. So, Paul talks about the word mystery. The word mystery might be better translated testimony. Could be translated testimony. The mystery that God revealed through Christ. Or the testimony that God revealed through Christ. Paul used a word, this word mystery had a different meaning for them back in that day. There were what they called mystery religions, where the the belief of the religion was kept secret until you became a part of it. And then the mystery was revealed to you. So when Paul talked about mystery, that's what people were thinking about. They were thinking about something that was purposely kept secret, purposely kept from them, that would be only revealed when you became a part of it. But that's not really what Paul was talking about. Paul was talking about the mystery of Jesus and what his sacrifice did for us. He was talking about that. But he purposely used that word. He used that word intentionally. He used that word to mean something that was first unknown, and now it was known. It had been revealed. Some people think that um, it was a mistake when Paul preached like this. But I really don't. I don't think so, because, you know, the gospel, Paul's talking about the gospel, flows from the heart and the mind and from God. And Paul says later in that chapter, it goes beyond anything we have ever seen or heard or imagined. And that's true, isn't it? When you first became a Christian, did you have any idea what this journey was going to lead into? I would say probably none of you did. You didn't know. You just, you wanted Jesus, you wanted forgiveness, and that was the that was the avenue for salvation right and that's all you knew and that's enough that's all you have to know but as you live and you live out being a christian and you put your heart into it you put your soul into it and you grow then you realize that there's more there don't you you realize there's a whole lot more and and i would say for all of us that, you know, from this point on until we actually do meet God, we're going to find more. More and more and more will be revealed. We develop a closer walk with God. And that's our goal, isn't it? It's our goal to have a a close walk with God. Paul presented what he called the scandal of the cross. Paul talked about his own Um, insufficiencies in verse three. There was weakness, fear, trembling, and all three of those things contrast with the power of the gospel and how Paul depended. Paul leaned on the power of the gospel. Paul recognized that he didn't have the ability in himself to do what he was doing. He couldn't in himself, but he could through the power, could through the power of the gospel. He could through God's power you lean he leaned on the lord he leaned on god he recognized his shortcomings he recognized his inability to reach those things and you know i think if we get, can we get to the point where as people we understand that we cannot overcome our weaknesses by ourselves you can't do it you can't overcome those weaknesses just simply by willing Yourself to overcome it. You know, last spring I I tore both quadricep tendons, and I couldn't stand up. I I could not stand. I walked from the place that I injured myself to another place, which was I don't know maybe a couple hundred feet. I managed to walk that far. And I got right in the front doors, right in the very middle of the front doors, and I just fell over backwards. There was a man walking beside me. I didn't even know he was there. Later he told me, all I could do was reach out and catch your head because I was going down on the cement floor. I'm very grateful that he caught my head because, you know, I value my head. But the fact is, With that injury, I couldn't will myself to stand up. I couldn't just say, suck it up and be a man and walk. I couldn't. It's the same thing with our walk with the Lord. You cannot will yourself to walk that walk. But when you realize that, when you realize you can't, you depend on God to do that. God can provide for you. God will give you what you need. You stop trying to do it yourself. Just stop trying to do it yourself. I fight that battle all the time. Maybe that's a bigger battle for men. Because, you know, men, men are... We're pretty proud. Men are pretty proud. And uh, we want to do it ourselves, don't we? If we're trying to fix something... Or put something together. I don't, I don't want to read the directions. What a waste of time reading the directions. Because I can do it. I got this. You know, I got this. And, and, and I will work for a very long time before I ever admit that I don't got it. I'll, I'll work for a while. And I'll keep going. I I hate to admit that I don't have it. But you know, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do for God. We need to simply admit, God, I don't got this. I need help. And when we do that, it's like it opens the floodgates of heaven and God can provide in a huge and mighty way. That's what Paul did. And you know what? If Paul, he's like, you know, he's like one of the greatest Christians to have ever lived. If he did that, it's okay if I do that. It's all right. You know, we're not admitting defeat. In fact, we're, we're probably opening the door for victory, right? Because we know that we need that help. The proof of Paul's gospel was that it changed lives. That's the proof of it. You know, it was not Paul's oratory. It was not his presentation. It was none of that. It was that when Paul preached the gospel, just a simple gospel message, people's lives were changed. And it's the same way today. You know, you probably leave here and you're, you'll probably be like, wow, what did Scott even talk about? I can't even remember. He didn't say anything very profound. I wasn't all that entertained by it. He didn't tell any funny stories. It's kind of an oddball, really. But the question is, is it going to change your life in some way? And I pray that it does. I pray that it does change your life in some way. You can walk away with one thing, you can walk out of here with one thing that brings you closer to God, I would say that it was time well spent. And, and that's what I pray for. That's what I pray for, is that when you leave this place, you're a little closer to God than you were when you walked in. Paul made a really strong case in verses 1 through 5 that the gospel has nothing to do with human wisdom, and that's absolutely true. You know, people for decades have tried to use logic on Christianity, or they've tried to be scientific with Christianity, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work because man's wisdom doesn't work with godly wisdom it's different it's completely different and it's a part of recognizing that what we have is man's wisdom what we have is man's logic and what we need is god's wisdom and we need god's thoughts and we need to apply god's wisdom to our life and we really need to turn off our own wisdom We need to turn it off, and we need to let God apply His wisdom to what we're doing. And one way that, for me, helps me to do that is before I make big decisions, before I talk to people, before I do anything like that, I just ask God to take control of whatever's going to come out of my mouth. Sometimes I still put my foot in my mouth. You know, it's because my my mouth is still connected to my brain. (laughs) And my brain has a way of getting in the way, right? But when you focus yourself on the Lord and you ask for Him to give you wisdom, He'll give it to you. And there are some times when you might have a conversation with somebody and you don't even know what you said, but what you said to them was profound. They know what you said. They know exactly what you said. And it was straight from God's heart, or from God's, straight from God's voice to their heart. And God just spoke to them through you. Well, today we have, we've got communion here, and uh, I want to invite you to take communion with us. If you're a Christian, if you've given your heart to the Lord, not asking if you're a perfect Christian, because we're not. If you're not a Christian and you, and you partake of it, it doesn't mean much. But if you are a Christian, it means a whole lot. And I would just ask you, um, gentlemen, if you would go ahead and come forward who are going to serve this. I would just ask you that as they're serving communion, that you would just take a moment and pray. Ask God to work in your life and your heart. Ask him to reveal anything you need forgiveness for and ask forgiveness for that and God will forgive you right away. And when we take communion, remember that this represents the blood and the body of Christ. It's a representation. It doesn't doesn't turn into the body of Christ. It's a representation of that. And so the gentlemen are going to pass the elements and um, when they're done, if you would just hold it and then I'll read some verses and I'll pray and um, then we can take it together.